Welcome back to another episode of Beating the Bookies. Uh, we're here talking about the UFC yet again. As college football season winds down, you're definitely going to hear us talking more and more about our guys in the octagon. So I'm here back with Will, um, our guest over from Electric Factory Sports, and, and we're going to be breaking down this card. Um, after a really great one last week, I know I went up about seven units. Um, Will had a better day than me because he is our prop hunter, and he just found some great value there late. Will, would you? You went up thirteen, was it? I went up fifteen point three units on the night. Okay. And pretty much all of that is due to Chris Curtis. Uh, put two units on him plus four fifty to knock out whoever he fought. Don't even remember. Oh, Allen. Um, and then right before the fight started two-thirds of a unit on him to win by second round knockout at plus 1,200. So that covered 12 units of the 15-unit profit. And then Jose Aldo also came through clutch, bet him to get the win and to win by decision. So that added another five units. Got kind of shelled on some of the one-unit plays, got a little aggressive, but it was fun, and I'm going to do it again. Yeah, we love to hear that. I, I, I mean, UFC is just so fun to have money on the line because it's already so high octane. The one thing I do want to say is that the Minifield not winning by decision still kind of irks me a little bit. Like, I really feel like he won that fight, um, but that's that's judging for you. I mean, it's it's been an issue in the fight game for a long time. Did you end up taking the Clay Guida bet? I didn't have the Guida bet. I took Curtis and Aldo, which were... were I was, was going to say, if if you took the Guida bet, the refereeing kind of or I guess, officiating, including judges, kind of made up for the Menafield loss, but yeah. that, is, that is just a bummer through and through there then. And that's the weirdest thing to me about you, UFC is like, as a football guy historically, like there's a right and a wrong. He's either inbounds or he's out of bounds. The UFC, like, Guido, if the Guido fight would have been stopped, people would have been like, yeah, that was a good stoppage. Or, like, if it wouldn't have been stopped like it was, people are like, no, he's fighting the whole time. Like, there, there doesn't appear to be a lot of, like, uniformity in, in terms of a lot of this stuff. Which, like, I, I think we really experienced. Holloway, I think, has been on the receiving end of a lot of that kind of, like, non-U.S. judging. Yeah, I, and the other thing to me that's really different is, like, as you change countries, like, what they value really changes. Like, what, what, what the Abu Dhabi judges grade upon is a different criteria. Now, it's not supposed to be, but it's a different criteria than what the Vegas judges grade upon, which is always – it's weird. <laughs> I don't think there's a better way to put it than that. Um, but, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, dive into this card. This is going to be – UFC 269, Oliveira versus Poirier. I am so jacked for this card. It's going to be a great um, weekend for sports. Uh, you know, you've got this, and then, you know, less than eight hours later, you're going to have the F1 final. So maybe I just, I, I might not sleep. I might not sleep Saturday night, which my boss on Monday is going to hate, but here we are. Um, so. Good weekend for sports. Yep, that's all I care about. So, um, first fight. Uh, Will is obviously going to break it down for us here. I, I'm, I have no idea how to pronounce this. I know it's Jillian Robertson versus, I believe her name is Priscilla Cachiera. 
but I could be really butchering that for all of our Portuguese listeners out there. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I know there are a ton of you. <laughs> so I'm going to get aggressive from the start here. First fight, um, I'm smelling a dog calling my name. I like Kashera to go out there and get it done. I don't know how great she's going to be at getting off her back, but her nickname is the human zombie or something crazy like that. She will come at you hard for all three rounds. She wants to get the finish. She hits like an ox. Um, if you go look at the last fight she had against Shauna Dobson, Dobson shot in on a double leg, and Kashera just caught her with a beautiful uppercut. End of the fight, one punch. Took 40 seconds. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for, expecting to see, not really sure how to put that. Um, but that's what I'm looking for in this Robertson fight. I think Robertson really wants it to get to the ground. She said in her interviews she's going to try and take her neck. So I think she can get caught getting greedy going for an early takedown. Um, so I'm rocking with Kashera money line plus 300 for one unit. Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. I, I will say that it's a possible two for me. Um, the weight, the missing weight to me is really, if you're a guy and you miss weight, it's pretty understood that you just didn't do your job preparing um, due to just like the differences between the sexes here. Like sometimes women can miss weight by one to three pounds and it's not a huge deal. It's like, you know, just something biological. Um, really, the weight thing though, I don't like. I don't like betting on fighters that miss weight. It's one of those things where it just almost never bodes well. Um, so it's probably one for me, but there is a possibility if, you know, if tomorrow I'm really looking at it and if she looked good on the scale at 129, I might bump it up to a two. Um, it really, I'm, I'm going to have to watch the video before the fight tomorrow, but sometimes they get on the scale and they look like zombies up there. And then sometimes they're just up there and there's like, yeah, there was no shot. You also got to think that her to win by knockout gets a little bit more of a value look there just because she's going to need to make up that 30% of her purse purse. So she might be hunting for a, uh, a KO here. Um, I know our <laughs> cafe did not get a performance of the night because he missed weight. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if she didn't get it. But that being said, um, she's probably got to go and uh, and hunt for one uh, no matter what happens. And the, bi the biggest thing here is how good is her takedown defense? Yeah. Can she make Robertson expend a lot of energy chasing that first takedown? And if she can't stop a couple shots early on, I think that significantly she's also big she's two inches taller she's gonna be at least three pounds heavier probably um two inch reach advantage like this to me and especially with robertson's kind of recent form is kind of a like make or break it roster spot for her um and you know i mean here's the other thing is like I know from Nunez, like these big Brazilian women that come in that have legitimate hands, I don't like betting against them, and I'd, I'd love it if I could grab like plus 300, like sign me up. 
Um, next fight's going to be Costa Kelly. Yeah, so for this fight, Costa, um, I, I like him a lot. I think he's fun to watch. He throws at a crazy pace. They're always high-energy fights, and he mixes up the striking nicely. Um, but guys fighting Tony Kelly has a great chin. He is extremely tough, has good grappling, and good submission skills. So the longer this fight goes, the less it favors Costa, who is like a minus 180 favorite or something crazy. Um, it, the less it favors him, and the more it favors Kelly. Um, but Costa comes out super hot. He throws everything he has for a second round, and usually tends to gas himself out by the third. So if Kelly can weather that initial storm, I think he can either do enough to steal a decision second, third rounds, or get that submission late in the fight. Um, but I, I am rocking with Costa. I think he's just going to be able to put too much pressure on Kelly. Um, so I'm putting one unit on Costa round one knockout at plus 200, and then half a unit on Costa by second round knockout. Uh, yeah, I like this. This one, to me, is a layoff fight. Now, I will say this. Because there's no more football, I might get a little bit mischievous with my units come day of. But um, I like Costa there. Costa's been a, a, a pretty good fighter recently, and and it makes a lot of sense to back him. Um, next fight's going to be Hall Minner. Um, I will say this. Hall's first fight was super underwhelming, um, but I think you and I both agree with why they gave him Minner as, as his next opponent. For sure. I mean, he came out and threw like 17 Minari rolls at Toporia, and it just didn't work. He got beat into a pulp. That's not going to happen this time around. He's an incredibly good prospect, um, so the UFC definitely wants to give him lesser competition now, not the 14-0 undefeated Jordan. Minner, he's got relatively good jiu-jitsu. Like, if you look at his record, he's got 22 submission wins to his name. Not the best striker. Most of it's just a set of clinch work trying to get a takedown. Uh, so normally you expect to see these guys afraid of each other's jiu-jitsu, not wanting to go to the ground. Not going to be the case. They're going to be rolling from the start. Like we were talking about with the Yaya fight, I think two weeks, three weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, there are just levels to jujitsu, and Hall is clear of Minner. So I'm taking Hall win by submission for a unit at plus one thirty. Yeah, I, I, you know, this, the, you know, DC's. I think DC's quote is that every fight starts on the feet. I don't think this one actually will start on the feet. Like you might as well just start one on top and one on bottom here because. I think that it's pretty pretty cut and dry that they're going to roll. And like you're saying, there's levels to jiu-jitsu. Hall is better than Minner. Now, Minner is no slouch. It's not a bash on Minner here. But there's a reason the books have, have put Hall at minus 210. And it's not because like they want guys to go hunt value on the other side. It's that they they recognize the discrepancy and just levels there. And, and, and Hall's a... 
Hall's an Ultimate Fighter winner. Like they, they don't want to just absolutely screw him. Uh, Tapuria was a tough first draw. Um, that just sucks. It's it's the way the UFC works, and that that one just sucks. But I do think that he is a prospect that they do want to hold on to and make sure that he's not just going to face super badass Eastern Europeans for his entire tenure in the UFC. Um, next fight, Maverick Blanchfield. Um, I like Miranda Maverick. I thought she beat Macy Barber um, just because she threw the most strikes. Like At the end of the day, if you only throw 40 strikes in a fight, I don't really like saying that you won. Um, but she is facing a, a legitimate a legitimate like person on the other side of the octagon here for her. um you know I'm just going to say that I I will be betting uh Maverick to win and then unanimous decision at plus 175 is kind of screaming my name just because I'm a religious bet women's UFC to go the distance type of guy but how are you seeing this one Will? I'm the same way I'm you can timestamp it now. These two women will end up having a trilogy before their career is over. They're that good. They're that well-rounded. Um, Blanchfield's 22. Maverick's 24. They're super young. Um, but they're already putting up impressive performances. I think Maver- if it stays on the beat, Maverick has the edge in all aspects of striking. She's stronger, faster, throws more generally adds up to landing the bigger, better shots. Blanchfield's obviously going to go for takedowns. Um, we've seen Maverick give up takedowns before, so it's a question of how's her ground game? Does she get back up? Uh, can Blanchfield start hunting submissions? I can see Blanchfield racking up quite a bit of ground control time, so I think it really comes down to what Maverick does on the feet. Um, so I'm expecting her to try and suck that energy out early. I think Maverick's going to push her against the cage and just kind of beat on the body, um, just try and drain her a little bit first round so those takedowns a little less effective. She has less to give them. Um, and then second, third rounds can just keep it standing on the feet. So I'm also rocking with that you know, unanimous decision by the two units. Yeah, I, I might upgrade that one just depending on how uh, how I'm feeling the day of. But I just, you know, Blanchfield is, is very, very good. She hasn't faced a striker like Maverick yet. Um, kind of how there's levels to jiu-jitsu, there's levels to takedowns. Blanchfield really hasn't had to try super hard for a takedown yet. Um, and I know Maverick moved her camp out to Colorado to train with those wrestlers out there. So um, definitely is something that I think benefits her in, in that scenario. And, and, and look, she's, she was anointed one of the newcomers and like one of the leaders of the women's MMA division at 23 years old. Like at the end of the day, although I think Blanchfield is very good and they will definitely, I would, I would wager a good amount of money that they fight for a belt one day. Um, I think at this point in their careers, the striking is going to be a little bit more impactful and score better than the takedowns. Um, that Blanchfield might get. Um, Munoz Anders. Now I know we're on the other side. We're on different sides of this. Um, I don't know if it's just because I played football, but Eric Anders has like a soft spot in my soul for some reason. I like betting him. He's fun. Um, 
but man, I don't love the matchup. I it's a one unit bet for me, so it's definitely not anything big. But um, yeah, walk me through how you're seeing it, Will. Yeah, so I've I've got a lot on Muniz here. Um, he's he's like a spider monkey. If he gets a hold of you, you're gonna tap out. Um, and to just kind of clarify how good his ground game is, he submitted Ronald Souza. Multiple time world champ in Jiu Jitsu, fourth degree black belt, for the first time in his career in 36 fights. He's the only person to ever submit Sousa. Um, he is very good at what he does, but he is a one trick pony. If he cannot get Anders to the ground, Anders to the ground, he's going to get beat up on the feet. Um, but I just don't see that happening. I think when Anders feels that pressure, he kind of struggles to get in the rhythm, doesn't let his hands fly, doesn't get the big hits that he needs to win fights. Um, so I think he's going to revert back to that sort of panic mode, shoot for a shot, and have his neck snatched pretty early on. Um, and so I'm going with Muni submission at plus 140 for two units, as well as Muni's first round sub at plus 300 for 0.5. And second round at plus five hundred for point five, so three total units on Muniz. Yeah, that might be one where I come day of and just uh, uh, hate that I placed it. I, I I just like I like Derek Anders as a football player, so like maybe that's why I like him, but it's definitely I, strange. One of the telling things for me when I was looking at this. Anders has won three fights by knockout in the UFC, and none of those guys are currently rostered. He's not knocking out the guys that have high fight IQ. They're not the vets that have been in the octagon a lo- for a long time. They don't have much actual fight time under their belts. And so I think he's just going to be a little bit smarter. I think he can be patient, find the right time to go for that takedown, and work for that sub. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that might be a change for me. Make sure to follow at Parmesan Picks in case I change that one because that's looking like it's going to be likely. Um, next fight, I think we see it the same way here. Wright Silva, um, you know, just for me here, it, like Silva obviously has knockout power. He's obviously terrifying. No one's doubting that. The gas tank is the big issue. And, uh, you know, it was something that got exposed in the Sanchez fight. Um, I know he killed Tolman, which, like, great job. But um, the Sanchez fight went long, and, and they both looked awful. So walk me through this one, Will. Again, riding with the dog, probably a bad move. But I just think that Silva, for what he's shown in the UFC, is a little overpriced. Um, so Jordan Wright comes into this. He's got a three-inch reach advantage. He doesn't have the greatest strike defense, which makes it a lot better that he has that strike advantage now, or that reach advantage. Um, he does have a bigger bag of tricks. He's not, I'm going to punch you in the face really hard. He can put you in the clinch, work you there. He throws good kicks. He has submitted guys five times before. Um, and five of Silva's six losses have come from submission. So... Why not take a chance when you see a crazy line? Right decision, plus 1,000 for half a unit. And right submission at 
plus 1,000 for half a unit. So one total unit, if either one of those hits, plus five. I'm, I'm going to bump them up for me to be full units. Uh, the reason for me there uh, is just I love that he has fought late in fights before and he has not folded in the gas tank. Like, I understand that Silva got the KO in the third round, but Sanchez looked like it was strong. A strong wind would have knocked him out in that fight. Like, it was oh, just yeah. bad. Um, and I mean, I, I could have knocked him out at that point. Yeah, right. Like, it, it just didn't look right. And, and, and for me, Wright has – he's got a TKO on Villanueva. I think he broke his arm. Um, it was a doctor stoppage. And then he lost to Joaquin Buckley, who isn't – isn't an awful opponent. And then he KO'd Pickett. Like, I think Wright is going to have just good enough stand-up to get him into the second and third rounds. And once Silva's there late, like, this is not a guy who limits himself well. Now, if he comes out this fight and he shows a greater fight IQ and he doesn't gas himself, I'll eat a piece of humble pie. But um, I think Wright's a very live dog here. And, and like you, I think all the values on decision and submission. Like, I don't think he's going to KO Silva. Um, yeah. I, I, was looking, I was looking at the other stuff. So Silva's money line is minus 360. Uh, fight to go the distance, or not to go the distance, is minus 450. Silva inside the distance, minus 200. So, like, there, there's no point even betting the favorite here. Yeah, there's just no value. And I, and I do think there is a lot of value on the right. Like, I don't think anyone to win by decision in the UFC should ever be plus a thousand when they're guys who have legitimately fought in the UFC and haven't folded under pressure. Like that, it does that. When their record is twelve and one. Yeah, right. Like, he's a good fighter. He's finished all twelve wins. He's a good fighter. Yeah, and he's he's been in he's been in the UFC for three fights. Like this will not be his first one where he's like afraid of the lights and, and scary. Like no, he, he's he's a vet. He's a vet at this point. Like I think he deserves to be treated as one. Um, this next fight is going to be fun, and it's Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuivasa. Um, I think you're spot on with your analysis, so go ahead and, and, and give it to me. Yeah, these guys couldn't be more different stylistically. Obviously, they're the big sluggers. They're big, but Tuivasa wants to walk you down. He uses leg kicks to try and close the distance which he needs to do. He's a smaller fighter, has a reach disadvantage here. So he's going to have to get in close. Um, so he's going to walk through, take some damage on the way, but we saw what he did to Greg Hardy. Just one big punch, fights over. Greg Hardy doesn't argue. Um, Sakai wants to keep his distance. He wants to kind of pace it out, get late into the second, early third round, and that's when he starts going. He throws a lot of jabs, a lot of leg kicks, a lot of stuff to keep people kind of at bay. And then when that leg is immobilized, he goes in for the kill. He's not the guy like Tui Vasa that's got that one-punch power. He lands a lot of punches throughout his fight. He's got a good gas tank. Tui Vasa does not have a good gas tank. If it gets out of the first round, I think Tui Vasa's chances of winning significantly decrease. I would say after one and a half rounds, there's no chance he wins. Yeah. Um, but I do think he has that power to start Sakai here. 
I think if he continues to walk him down and is aggressive for all five minutes, Sakai tends to get a little panicked. He doesn't like when people make him drop his guard. Um, and Tuivas is that guy. He's going to do that. Yeah. So I'm going Tuivasa round one knockout at plus 275 for two units. And I'm also tempted to just put fight does not complete one full round at plus 170 for one unit, just in case Tuivasa makes a mistake and gets caught by Sakai. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm going to take a different approach to this hedge out, um, which yours is going to have a bigger payoff. So just know that um, like going into this. But like for me, I'm going to put two units on Tuivasa money line. Um, like you're saying, I think if this gets to round one and a half and it's not over, the likelihood that Tuivasa is super favored at that point is pretty high. So I might go in and add a one unit hedge on the other side if Sakai is, you know, plus 300 or something because he is the better late round fighter. I will say what impresses me about Tuivasa is that he's a complete round one fighter. Like he's not first two minutes of round one. Like he gets a lot of KOs minutes three, four, five. Like that's, that's kind of where he uh, makes his bones in round one. He's done it a couple times now and, and then pounded the shoey afterwards. So I like Tuivasa. I think he's the better fighter, but Sakai is uh, the veteran here. He's going to be a little bit trickier, like, and it's heavyweight. Anything can freaking happen at heavyweight. Like, there's just so much, so much power in one hand that it makes the fights a little bit unpredictable. Um, but I, what I'd love, my ideal situation for that fight, if Tuivasa doesn't get the first round KO, is that midway through the second. Um, uh, Sakai is plus 350. I can put a unit there and just ride my, uh, you know, one unit profit on either side into the sunset. Um, next fight, it's one of our favorites. It's our boy, Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz. How are you looking at this one? I, I don't think you can say that Dominic Cruz is never not a threat. The way he moves, his footwork, his style of kind of coming in in and out, throwing these weird kind of random punches that you've never seen before is a tough puzzle to break down for anybody. Um, you can't really train for him. There's nobody else like him in the world. And because of that, he never really gets himself into bad situations. He doesn't get himself caught by the mega power knockout punch. He's got great defensive wrestling. Munoz, he's got decent grappling. His guillotine is great. I don't see him finding a path to submitting Dominic. Um, and I also don't think he's going to be able to land big shots on him. He's one in three in his last four fights. Granted, he's fought really good guys. He's fought all those, Alderman Sterling, Frankie Edgar. But he struggles when he can't get his opponent to stay in the pocket and trade. Dominic Cruz is not going to be the guy to sit in the pocket and just trade with you. Cruz has never had knockout power. It's never been his forte. He's a total volume scorecard fighter. He wants to win the judges' scorecards, and that's exactly what I see him doing. I'm doing Dominic Cruz by decision, plus 150 for two units. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going to – I'm going to grab a money line for three. 
Um, just because I would hate to see this fight pretty well um, and have a ground and pound finish um, for Cruz. That, that's something that I want to avoid on a loss here. And then I'm going to have decision by probably two units. Um, but uh, biggest thing for me here is that Cruz is the savvy vet. Like, you, if you go through Munoz's last losses, right? All three of the four, three, all three of those guys have in common is that they fought a lot. They are all very good at distance management, and they don't have their head where Munoz can peg it. The big thing for me here is I think a misleading stat is Munoz lands five and a half strikes, significant strikes per minute, per minute, but Cruz's head is not in the same spot long enough almost ever for that to super matter in my opinion. He's a strange guy. He ducks his head. He's got those weird kind of like quasi overhands that he throws. Um, you know, and, and the other thing for me here is that it's a scorecard by round. That's how you keep scoring UFC. Cruz is the savvy vet. He knows that if the fight is even with two minutes left, he's going to shoot for a takedown, get it, bank the round for himself, move on. He's also going to be... He's sat on the desk. He just watches all these guys. I think he's called two of Munoz's fights. Um, like, that to me is a big advantage. And also, Munoz, you know, he lost to Sterling, which to me is a big indictment. And he also lost to Edgar. He's one of the few guys that hasn't beaten Edgar. Um, I know it was a split decision, but... Um, and people I do think, and rightfully so, thought that Munoz won that fight. But even then, if you can't put away Frankie Edgar right now at Bantamweight, like, you've got some issues of, of, around your fighting style. And I, I just think that Cruz is in a very Glover Teixeira-type spot. He knows that he's got to rattle off a couple wins here in order to re-challenge for the belt. Um, and if not, he's probably going to have to hang him up. So I think that this kicks off a little and it's never going to be the extent of Glover because Glover literally fought from the brink of getting kicked off the roster but I think that Cruz here has a good probability of, of uh, you know getting a victory and doing it in pretty convincing fashion I think yeah for me the one way I can see uh, Munoz really taking this fight is if he can get his leg kicks going early and often if he can manage to chop out those legs, slow Cruz down, make that movement, footwork non-existent, he might have a chance of landing the big punch. But that's a big if. You know, Cruz sits there and calls 15 fights a weekend, and probably six of them have to talk about how devastating the leg kicks are. He, know, he knows he needs to focus on that, uh, checking that leg kick. Yeah. So... And he's also just, I think he was the guy who invented that the, I think he said on a broadcast one time that the easiest way to defend a leg kick was to punch the other guy in the face. Um, I think he probably embodies that strategy this weekend. That's going to be a great fight. The fact that I'm seeing Dominic Cruz not on a main card is so weird to me, but this is also one of the best cards of the year, and it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, next fight, Emmett Ige. Um, now this this is pretty much the tale of two cities here. I think we're either gonna have this fight go one way or the other way, and there's not gonna be a lot of in between. Um, I'm this for me, guys, is a pure price pick. I, I would back the dog in this fight either way. 
Um, I think that Ige is undervalued here because he just fought a really good Korean zombie. Um, and, and zombie looked unbelievable in that fight. And so I think he's low on the value here. That being said, um, Emmett is the truth. Will, how are you viewing this? Yeah, so I was a little scared to pull the trigger on this one at first. Um, you know, Emmett tore his ACL in that fight against Shane Burgos a year and a half ago. So we haven't seen a fight since then. Don't really know what he's going to come back like. Um, but everything I've seen or heard has been that it's the best he's ever looked. He has the heaviest hands in the division. If he connects with you, it's going to hurt you a lot. What he does is he uses that lead hand and just kind of puts it out in front of your face as a distraction, and then that looping overhand comes over the top, and it's beautiful when it lands. Um, he's got pretty good wrestling grappling credentials, wrestled in college, and EGA has really struggled wrestling recently. You know, his past two fights have not been against the best grapplers in the world, and he is 0 for 13 on takedowns. He has only stopped two of six takedowns. Um, so I think if he gets caught with one of those big overhand rights, he might want to shoot in on that leg, try and rest up, and I don't think he's going to have any sort of success there. Um, so, you know, I am worried about Emmett recovering from the surgery, so it's going to be a small play. But I'm going to do Emmett to win by or in round three or by decision at plus 110 for a unit. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, I just this will be Dan Ige will be blacklisted for me if this doesn't go his way. Full disclosure. So, um, but yeah, I just I just love the price on him. If it was plus one ten, I wouldn't touch it probably. But plus one forty, just two units for me there. And 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 I agree. If the wrestling comes out and is in fact in play here, it's Cody Bar the door. I think that's that fight's pretty much over. Uh, the only reason why I really want to ride with Emmett here is just because I, I watched that Burgos fight live when he tore his ACL in the first round and somehow managed to fight his way to a decision win. He knocked down Burgos twice and didn't have a knee. Yeah, I remember so that. Th that sort of grit determination made me a huge fan. That's why I want to have a unit riding on him. I remember that because I had money on Burgos and got fucking burned by that. It was super annoying. <laughs> I mean, great, great for Emmett. Don't get me wrong. Absolute props to that dude. But man, it was annoying to have money on Burgos and watch that go down like that. Um, now we're kicking it off with the main card here. Um, we got the Sugar Show versus Paiva. Sean O'Malley versus Paiva here. Um, I'm going to be honest. I hate Sean O'Malley's like betting on them. I like Sean O'Malley. That's not what I'm saying. I hate shot betting on Sean O'Malley fights because he's so popular. A bunch of money gets thrown and it muddles the lines um, and he makes the UFC a lot of money so normally his opponents are not nearly as good as I would expect them to be um, I think we've got another one of those here um, I do like your take well that you know Sean's been talking about how his grappling has improved so he's just gonna go out and hunt a submission which would just be so on brand um, but do you have any props you like here yeah, so, I mean, there are a couple that aren't bad. Um, I, I am tempted to take the submission 
but I know it'll never happen. I just saw a clip of him talking on a podcast about how he wants to uh, roll with Dylan Dennis and see who wins in a jiu-jitsu competition. And apparently he's got very good jiu-jitsu. Maybe he wants to add something new to his highlight tape. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. It's at plus 1,100, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so O'Malley to win by first round knockout is plus 250. That's not a terrible line. To win by second round knockout, plus 500. Also not a terrible line. Um, but to just win straight up by knockout is plus 110. I think that's safer than saying when he's going to do it. Yeah. So I might, I might put two units on that. For me, the, the big thing for here, and, and this is just for future betting purposes, but I really want to see O'Malley not be as heavy on that front leg as he has been. I think that just opens you up to a world of hurt with leg kicks. Um, that, that is something about Paiva. uses, uh, like, he's uh, got a tie stance, and so he abuses leg kicks. Yeah, and that's that's also why I just don't see, like, I could easily see Sean breaking his leg again here. Like, I just, I don't like it at all. The only thing that makes me want to take O'Malley to buy knockout is... Paiva has zero head movement. Yeah, yeah, that's a real big like, it is on now. a line, and yeah. that is just setting O'Malley up for another highlight reel walk-off knockout, and you can just say goodnight. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a, that's probably the toughest bet, uh, the toughest fight of the night to bet on. Um, next one is Kai Kaur France versus. Cody, no love, Garbrandt. Um, I'm back on the dog here. I like Car France. Um, I will say this. Cody Garbrandt is one of my favorite people in the UFC. I remember watching those Dillashaw fights. I loved it. Um, look, th- the issue to me is going down a weight almost always is accompanied by my chin is a lot weaker than it was up a weight. Um, he already had chin issues. He's coming off of that awful stint with COVID. Um, and Car France is, you know, he's at city kickboxing. Like, you just can't discount any of those guys coming out of that gym. Um, I love Cody, but I don't really see why he's favored here, especially because Car France has, he's four inches shorter, but has a four inch reach advantage. Like, the height that Cody enjoys, I don't think is actually going to be as normal for him because Car France has huge arms. Yeah, and so other numbers that stood out to me Car France averages 5.02 strikes per minute at 39% accuracy. Cody averages 3.17 at 38% accuracy. So Car France is more accurate, he's more active. Uh, and I think a large factor of Garbrandt's success is that he was always so much faster than people. He could get in and out, he could land a big shot and not take damage, and he's now going down a weight class where he's going to be pretty average in terms of the speed. He's he's still going to be fast, but it's not going to be a game-changing speed difference. Um, So I'm also going to back that dog play. I'm taking Kaikar France. I'm going to do two units on a money line at plus 120. And I'm considering adding an extra on him 
I like that. I, I just don't think that chin's gonna be the same. It's already not the same. He got knocked out three times in rapid succession. Yep. I think I think it's gotta be gone. Uh, moving on to the next one, Jeff Neal versus uh, God Santiago Ponzinibbio. I like Ponzinibbio here. Um, I thought his fight with Zhang Ling was a little bit misleading in how that result went. Um, he's a, a very good fighter. He's one of the few guys to ever KO Neil Magny, which I think speaks for itself. Um, but yeah, I like Ponzinibbio here. I know it's a pick em. I'm going to back the, I think, overall the better fighter, whereas I think Neil is the better brawler. Uh, what are your thoughts here? I hate Neil. Woodley 2.0, and that's all I really need or want to say about the topic. Yeah. He's strong. He's powerful. He can wrestle. Um, but all he wants to do is sit back and wait for that perfect one-punch knockout. And you saw Tyron Woodley fight Jake Paul. He sat back for 90% of the fight and then threw for 5% of the fight. Um, it just doesn't do it for me. I think the, 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 the other the thing low, here is Ponzinibbio. volume has caused him to lose two fights in a row now. Yeah, and Ponzinibbio is going to push. Ponzinibbio will not be outstruck, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, d- dude, the biggest thing for me here is just that also Jeff Neal keeps losing and keeps facing tougher and tougher competition. Like, Jeff Neal lost to Neil Magny. Unanimous decision. Wasn't close. He's now fighting a guy who beat Neil Magny. Neil Magny lost to Wonderboy. <laughs> like, that was the fight. Like, I, I don't really... Going back, his best fight is Bilal Muhammad or, or Mike Perry, who he KO'd in the first round. Like, like, I understand why he's an attractive guy. I mean, look at him. He's an absolute specimen. But whenever I watch him in the octagon, he's just not actually a great fighter. Um, and they have the exact same amount of losses... And Ponzinibbio has double, more than double the amount of wins. And I know we shouldn't base a lot of this stuff on record, but a lot of good fighting, especially on main cards in Las Vegas, when you're the second, the third to last fight um, between on on probably the biggest card of the year, is that like how many minutes have you spent in an octagon? Like how how are you going to let the pressure affect you and? And I agree, man. Neil, I think, is just going to sit back on his back foot, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if he got struck into a decision here. But I don't want to bet that because Ponzinibbio does have legit power. Like, I, I don't want to touch that. I just think the, the money line's been my play for Neil. Um, okay. Nunez-Pena. I don't really know what to say here, except I think Nunez destroys her yet again. Uh, like, okay. All hail the queen. Yeah. Um, she's double champ for a reason. I mean, if you want to say Pena has something good going for her, it's the wrestling. Like she's not a man to do that. She's not going to hold Nunez down. I I am going to take two um, prop bets here. Nunez first round knockout plus one fifty, and Nunez second round knockout. I think she just puts it on her own feet. The other thing here is also that Nuno said if Pena wants to wrestle, she's going to knock her out. And I liked your comparison earlier to when Derek Lewis gets put on the ground and he's like, okay, I'm done sitting on the ground. I've rested. And he just stands back up. Like, 
Nunes has the ability to, to do that as well. So, okay. Like, like I, it seems like they're just, they're trying to find a woman that can beat Nunes, and I just don't think Pena is it. Dana White's in talks with uh, Kayla Harrison. Yeah, see, that's I, I think he's going to have to go out, like, when he went and got Cyborg. Like, he, you've got to go outside of the UFC because no one on the roster, on, on any roster, we're talking, like, she's only going to fight other champs of, like, PFL or One or or Bellator, and that's literally just because that those people don't come to the UFC because they know that they would get diced up, so they want to be compensated for that. Um, they all don't have the mentality of Michael Chernick. Um, but yeah, so going to, going to the last fight here, um, I love Poirier. I've always loved Poirier. I loved him even when McGregor just eviscerated him. Uh, <laughs> but that was the first time too, not the next two. But I, I, I'm waiting on this one. I will eventually bet Poirier. I think he's going to win the fight, but the line was at minus 160 yesterday. It's crept up to minus 150 today. I wouldn't be surprised to see this one end in the minus 130 range. Um, and that's where I'd be more comfortable grabbing it. Um, I think I'm going to let you explain the prop that I do actually really love here. Yeah, so I, I think I, I also am a Poirier guy. He's been one of my favorite fighters since I started watching the UFC. Um, but I think he's a little bit overpriced. I don't want to take a money line because of that. He's fighting a super dangerous guy. Um, but that prop I have is the fight to complete three full rounds at plus 160. Um, you know, I think the majority of the first round is these two guys kind of feeling each other out, not throwing anything huge. Poirier not going for the knockout. Oliveira not going for the takedowns. So I really think the true fight starts in round two, which means Poirier can piece him up on the feet for one, Oliveira can hold him on the ground for one. Um, it, it, to me, really just seems like one of them is going to capitalize, and it's going to be when somebody's tired and makes a mistake. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that is exactly how I see it. And, and, and the thing for me here, the biggest driver for my decision in this fight is going to be that Michael Chandler had Oliveira dead to rights. He started celebrating because I would have as well. That's not a bash on Chandler at all. Poirier is different. He's not this. This belt has been on his mind ever since Khabib submitted him. Like this is a guy that hadn't lost before that until 2016, and Khabib submitted him. That's I, in my opinion. That's the most demoralizing way to win a UFC fight or to lose a UFC fight because it's not like so many things have to go the other fighters way in order for you to be submitted that it just means that you just lost in all facets. Like you had to lose on the feet to go to the ground, to lose on the ground, to give up position, to get submitted. Like knockouts, you can just be like, oh, he hit me on the button. Oh, well. Like, and so I think that Poirier is going to come in hungry and Kind of, and to my other point, like, it's Oliveira's first title defense, and he's facing the guy that the world has basically told him should have the belt had he not chosen the McGregor rematch. Um, I just, or no, is it his second title defense? It might be his second. 
No, it's his first. His first. So he won the belt against Chandler. Yeah, I just... Yeah, it's a vacant title. And, and here's the other thing that I do think is going to be tough, is that it's a Southpaw Orthodox matchup, which I think is going to favor Poirier, because if he can get the... Uh, if he can start beating up that front leg of Oliveira... Uh, the fight's just completely different here. But I can I, I, I love that prop, dude. I mean, I don't think is going to starch him in the second round. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of fighting in the first round. So we're basically betting, does the fight in in a five-minute span? And at plus 160, that's just a lot of value there. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to bet against Poirier. Like, I, I love Oliveira at plus odds. If it was anybody... Besides Dustin, I would probably take that line. Mm-hmm. But my heart won't let me do it. Yeah. You know, Dustin's going to hurt Oliver at some point. Oliver is going to have Dustin on it on the ground at some point. It's just a question of when do they capitalize on an opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm hoping it's late. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just hoping it's a... I think that's going to be a bummer. I think it's going to be awesome. I think the whole card's going to be great. Um Definitely don't mind paying for this one. Uh, but, yeah, so just to recap, I know a lot of you people out there, they lost money on last week's card, but Will, Will uh, went out and found that value and made us profitable last week. So hoping for the same thing here this week. Um, as always, bet responsibly. Um, if he tells you to cut your unit in half, cut your unit in half. Don't try and, you know, Rambo it here. Like That's, that's not how anything's ever going to work. But... Um, we will see y'all back next week as a recap of this card and to go over our new one. If you do have any other sports inquiries, go ahead and look at electricfactorysports.com and follow at Parmesan Picks to try and find some more value on whether it be football, basketball, hockey, um, all the above there. So we will see y'all next week and uh, see uh, talk to you then.